Welcome to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast, the podcast that shows you how to build a world-class service business from the dirt up. And now your host, Mark Stoner. Hello, welcome back to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stoner, and this week I'm down in Florida at Key Largo, actually, at the Heat Shield Summit. And it's a fantastic event put on by our good friends over at Saver Systems and uh, especially my my friend and mentor, John Meredith. He's down here putting on a great show with a lot of fantastic people in the industry. And one of those people is Kevin Russell. He was down here and been a lifelong, not lifelong, a many year friend of mine. And uh, he is also the founder of the Warrior Horse Project, and uh, he actually did a presentation on it today, and I found it very touching and very moving and inspirational because of how far he's come from really uh, a dream, a thought process, and then all the things he's done to make it happen. So we have him uh, in studio today, and my studio is actually my hotel room. So uh, I will get with him in just a second. On the other hand, we also have our Surefire Accelerator people here. Some of us are here going to have a little meeting uh, this evening. And if you're in our Surefire Accelerator group, uh, we miss you if you're not here. Our official meeting is in a couple months down in the Dominican Republic. So that should be a lot of fun. So with that said, welcome, Kevin Russell. Hello, Mark Stoner. Well, Kevin Russell uh, is from Louisiana, so if he has a funny accent, you know, that's just that's just how he is. <laughs> but, uh, hey, man, how have you been? How's things going? It's been spectacular. Everything's rolling like it needs to be. So a lot of you may know what Warrior Horse is, but for those people that are listening that do not, aren't aware of what your mission is and what you're doing, could you give everybody a... a an update or a, a background on what you're doing down there. Absolutely, Mark. So Warrior Horse is a national all-expense-paid program to bring in veterans and first responders that are suffering from post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. to work with horses on the ranch until they develop a bond with the horse, which triggers a release within them they haven't been able to achieve since the trauma occurred, mm. thus allowing them to move forward in life. So... I, you know, the first question is why you? Why, why me? Why did you do this? That's a good question. Why did I do it? Yeah. Why did you go through all of this? Why you're not a veteran? Why I know you have you know family members that are veteran, but it struck a chord in you to do something really extraordinary for people who are in pain. Why you? Why this movement? About 18 years ago, I actually made a bond with a horse that happened out of nowhere. Her name was Blue, big old retired thoroughbred, scared to death of her. And she trusted me as a leader, and she came up and bonded with me. And that triggered something that was phenomenal with inside me that I didn't even know existed. And from that point on, I wanted to try to find something that I could use that experience to help change the lives of people that could use it or were suffering. So I met you, was it 2012 or 14? I think it was in 12. 
Yeah, so, uh, and then, you know, I met him at a conference, and we got talking, and, and there's a couple of things, and you mentioned it at, on your thing, but I don't know that you uh, actually delved into it, and I and I kind of got after Kevin right off the bat, right after I met him, because, you know, he's a chimney sweep, and uh, very humble guy, hardworking guy, but he has a big mission in his heart, and he, he said something, and it, it triggered me a little bit. <laughs> And, and I think it stuck with him. And, but what happened was he said, you know, I don't want to be rich. I don't want to be a millionaire. And I just want to help people. I said, don't ever say that again. Not that help people, but I don't want to be rich and I don't want to be a millionaire. Because if you had a million dollars, you'd do a lot of good with it, wouldn't you? And he's like, yeah. I said, don't be, don't ever say that. Say out loud, you want as much money as you can get to help as many people as you can get, and you're going to do the things that come your way. Why shut off that gate in your in your mind? And I th- and Kevin has since, uh, you know, he he had a chimney company, but it was like, man, use that chimney company, build it as you can, use this industry to help get the word out and man you have you and it's been tough right i mean talk to there's people there's been some challenges some challenges so take take everybody from ground zero what what if somebody has it in their heart to do something you know for others and build something walk us through some processes of how you did it and and even you know some of the hard stuff well it's not as hard as it seems looking back on it. Uh, when I've got the calling to do it and I realized that's what I was supposed to be doing, my purpose, the first thing I did was got me out of the way, of course. You know that. I reached in my pocket, got the eraser out, and got rid of my comfort zone. Yeah. And this was before I met you mm-hmm. because I knew of all the people on this earth, the one that was going to slow me down the most was me. Great point. Because I didn't know what I was capable of, if I was capable of. So as soon as I got rid of myself, because by then I realized things weren't about me. They weren't about how good I felt or how comfortable I was. It was going to take something beyond what I thought I was capable of. Yeah. And then the second thing I did was went up to this guy named Mark Stoner (laughs) at a convention, at a trade show, and said, hey, I need a steering wheel. This is what I'm going to do. And then I made the mistake of saying, I don't care anything about money. I don't need to be rich, which I haven't really said since then, um, because now I want as much money as I can get to help as many people as I can. Absolutely. And by doing that, I realized that I couldn't achieve it alone because it was much bigger than me and anybody that I knew. And I just approached the most honorable and loving industry in the world, which is the chimney industry, and said, hey, there's something that needs to be done. It's going to get done. Are you in? And I, I remember the look in your eyes when you turned to me and said, dude, I'm all in. And that's all I needed from that convention. Well, you know, I remember I remember that conversation very clearly and then at the time, I think I was president of CSIA, and I and I mentioned you at a couple of events, and um, a lot of other people said, "Yeah, 
will help John Meredith and Chuck Hall and several others. I, I don't think you've run into somebody that said no. You know, CSI, everybody, everybody says yes to you. Everybody says yes to this thing. And you've got so many, yeah, it's your, it's your beautiful blue eyes and the way you bat them around. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, you, you as a person makes us want to see it, you know, come through. Right. And, um, I love that you've gotten so much attention, but then you, you ran into some real hardships, like, building permits, rain, getting things through, like you, you then got it, you know, when it, it was one thing to have ideas and I was like, yeah, I'm all in. But then when the bulldozers had to move, when the concrete had to be poured, when the money had to be brought up, like, tell us about that. So as far as the money goes, like I've said, it's, it's not my program. It's not my problem to worry about money. The money's in the hands of those that need to donate it to the program, no doubt in my mind. I just have to let them know that that's what they need to do if they feel like it. So the board of directors didn't feel comfortable with me going and buying $150,000 worth of steel and metal to put up an arena. Okay. So that's when we were in Louisville. And Louisville? Louisville. 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 <laughs> and home of the, the racetrack, of course. And I first presented it to the industry as a whole. They were, they allowed me to do that during our banquet dinner. Yep. And I was told by my board that I need at least three years worth of payments for it, for the lease, in order for them to feel comfortable with me signing my name on any paperwork, putting myself under the table. I said, fair enough. That's $32,000. Is is that all we need? Can I order the stuff if I bring you the money? They said, absolutely. I said, I'll be right back. I got to go to convention. We came back with about $33,000. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yes. That's right. Um, Because everybody heard about what needed to be done as a whole. Everybody said, we're all in. And... Thus, we started. So wow. then the next hardship, after I ordered $150,000 of scrap metal, because it sat on my property for a year and a half before we could ever put it up. Yeah. Because in the, in the presentation this morning about chaos, I didn't see rain listed <laughs> on one of the problems. <laughs> Torrential. Torrential rain. <laughs> so we drill the first three or four piers for the footings. And it starts to rain on us that day, and it doesn't let up for a solid year. I remember it was either raining or so muddy you couldn't move the via- the heavy yeah. equipment. They they couldn't get anywhere because it was all fresh dirt, you yeah. know. And we live where there's river clay, and you just can't drive across it. My gosh! So then I had to Did answer- it ruin the metal. Like, the metal that set out there, was it still okay? It was all still fine. Okay. The only thing that was ruined was me at that point. Because I'm like, I got $150,000 worth of scrap metal, basically. While it's on the ground, it's, it's not an arena. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. It's scrap metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just sitting on my it's property. It's a dream. It's a it's dream, a dream on a pile. The, yeah. <laughs> so, we were finally able to start putting it together. And that's when we did the grand opening. You know, they did the Warrior Leadership Conference. Yeah, I loved it. Here's another one. They're having the conference, and we're doing our grand opening, and I got scrap metal laying on the ground. So one of the suppliers that was funding 
the the leadership conference, kept calling and texting, have you started the arena? Have you started the arena? I'm like, dude, can't do nothing. Yeah. The ground's wet. So I'm trying to answer. If you want to make yourself accountable for something, make sure you get it done. Just tell the whole industry. (laughs) Because you can't let them down. Come see it. (laughs) Come see it. So we finally did start getting it put up right before then. And it didn't go by my schedule by any means. But it got put up. End result is it's exactly what we needed. It served its exact purpose and still is. Yeah. But, you know, at the time it was a little boggling and a little stressful. So, you know, I I don't think you're a guy who gets discouraged, but did you ever question what was happening or how it was happening? Or did you just take it completely out of your hands and go... I'm just going to keep plugging. It's going to happen when it happens. That's what I did because it wasn't my program to start with. You almost have to do that so you don't go crazy, right? Well, if you've got if you've got a schedule or you've got it like it's your thing, yeah, you you feel very personally responsible for everything. And when you take it out of your hands and just and that's a very interesting way to manage that, you know. Well. You know as well as I do that my beliefs are that everything happens for a reason exactly when it's supposed to. Yeah. So who am I to dictate when it's supposed to? Yeah. I knew it was supposed to happen. It happened. Well, it's happening. You're having some students. You're having people come in. It's, uh, you know, I think through COVID that was tough. You know, you couldn't hardly bring people in. But now it's going, right? Absolutely. So you told a story today that I, I don't I hope you don't mind resharing it, but of the guy who was you know, you were trying to bring in and you know, he he went you know, tell can, do you mind telling that story? I think it's fascinating. I can try. Okay. And you I've know, got edit. I okay. can edit Good, the, deal. You know, Good deal. We have too big a gaps. <laughs> so the very first class we had someone signed up to come and you know it's all new. We're trying to do the best that we can, and it's for veterans, so I want to treat them like royalty because I think that I'll never be able, we'll never be able to do enough for them for serving. So I put them in first class, fly them in, and, you know, they come to the program. Well, the first one that I had fly in ended up consuming some of the free alcohol in first class that I wasn't aware they served because... Unlike Darren Bebo, I fly in peasant class. <laughs> and uh, he got to one of the main airports, and somebody had said something negative to him about the armed forces that tripped his trigger. And he got a little miffed at him. And the next thing you know, he's in handcuffs and spending the night in jail and never made it to the program. Man. And, I mean, it was... It was quite the event for me because I was trying to do the best I could do. Oh, it's your first student. You're excited. You're doing everything in your mind right. Yep. Had no idea there was a bomb sitting on the other end of your decisions. Exactly. So I set him up for failure, basically, is what I did unknowingly. With the best intentions. With all the right intentions. If you remember, if you've ever seen Jurassic Park... One of my favorite lines of any movie is when Dr. Alan Grant told his student some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best of intentions. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking at the time. Wow. I just lost a veteran. You know, 
to come into class. Somebody yeah. that I knew needed the program. So, so I kept in touch with him. I got back to church the next day, and one of my friends asked me how it went. He'd been helping me with the program and get the scrap metal delivered, and he's a pilot as well. Um, he said, what happened? I said, well, we lost a veteran. And he's like, what do you mean we lost a veteran? How do you lose a veteran at an airport? I said, well, this is what happened. He said, that's not acceptable. I said, well, what do you mean? I, I realized that. I mean, I'm the one that set him up for failure. He said, I tell you what we're going to do. He said, the next time you have an at-risk veteran, he said, you get a hold of me, and you and I will go pick him up in my plane. Wow. Now, you talk about knowing that everybody that's helping is in there at the right place in the right time. Wow. So I kept in touch with the veteran, flash up three years, and I get a call one day out of the blue. And it's it's my friend, the veteran from Alabama. He said, Mr. Russell, he said, I'm done. I said, what do you mean you're done? He said, I've, I've had all I can take. He said, I've got the, uh, I've got the rope up over the rafter here in the barn. Mm. He said, I just wanted to let you know that I appreciate you helping and trying to get me there. He said, but I'm done. I'm like, wait a minute. You're not done. I said, listen to me. I said, I'm not a counselor. And you know, I've already told you that's what, you know, that's not what this program is about. There's no counseling in it. I said, I can't help you this very minute. I said, but let me call you back in a minute. Just bear with me and let me call you back. Well, it just so happened that another veteran had come through the program a few months earlier right. that had been at the VA as a counselor for 30 years dealing with exactly this. So real quickly, I know the story because you told, but the counselor who had counseled for 30 years came through your program to help him, correct? That's correct. And so then you, he had just gone through it. You reached out to him to help this guy. Yes. Wow. So once again, everything happens as it should, when it should, because just like my phone with your number in it, if something comes up that I know that you can help with, I'm not. I'm going to say, hold on. I'm going to call you. I'm yeah. going to say, hey, we got an issue. What are we going to do? Right. And that's what I did. So the counselor jumped in, called him, talked him down, got him checked into the hospital for the night. And the next day I get a call, and it's the veteran again, the one that is having the problem. And he said... Thank you. I said, oh, no, we're not done yet. I said, I'm having a program this weekend. I said, and guess who's going to be here? Oh, no, I can't go. I said, no, I know you can't go through the airport. I've already tried that once. I said, are you willing to come this weekend? Yes, sir. I said, give me a minute. Let me call you back. So who do you think I called next? The pilot. The pilot. I said, Keith. 
I said, we got to go get somebody. I said, remember the one I lost? He said, yeah. I said, we got to go get him. He said, well, meet me at the airport tomorrow at nine o'clock. I said, I'll see you then. So I called the gentleman back. I said, okay, it's all set up. He said, what do you mean? I said, I just called my pilot. said, we're going to leave tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. We should be at your airport by 1115 to pick you up. Are you still there? (laughs) Yeah. So you just called a pilot and you're coming to get me. Well, yeah, we want you here this time. So I'm coming to get you. It's amazing. So we went and picked him up. And like I told you, he had that deer in the headlights look when we picked him up because apparently nobody showed him that kind of. Right. Nobody cared. Caring. He felt like nobody cared anyway. Right. And you you kind of went through all those barriers he was trying to set up. He was trying to sabotage himself from the jump, and you just wouldn't listen to him. No, because this time I wasn't going to take no for an answer. Just like when I yeah, met Teresa. I know how you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I met you. Yeah. yeah I'm, you're I'm gonna... you're kind of wired that way. Like, no is just a starting point. It, just, it really doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it's only no until they change their mind and say yes. Yeah. So we picked him up. He came to the program, went through the program. And later that evening, when we were just sitting around visiting, he said, I want you to know something. I said, what's that? He said, this program just saved my life, my marriage, and probably all of my relationships. Man. And at that one moment, I knew if I died right then, everything was all right. Man. Because my goal for the whole program, if I did it for 30 years, was to help at least one. Yeah. And that was achieved, as you know, with another veteran before the arena was ever built and the program started. So, man, for me, you know, hoorah, because that's what we do. Yeah. But... For Mark Stoner and an entire industry that helped create this system that is helping to change these lives, I mean. That's incredible. I mean, when you were telling the story today, I just felt overwhelmed, you know, at just the whole goal. And any of us that have helped a little bit, you've done the work, but we're just supportive and it's just neat to see. Because sometimes, you know, you believe in people and something doesn't happen. And, and it's, it just happens. But, you know, we believe in you. And, dude, you make it happen. You know, one of the fav- my favorite things about Kevin, and he even did it today, is he acts on stuff right now. And what's your favorite line? How about I wait till right now to go do it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, literally every time we're working on something or doing something, that's always your answer. Oh, we need to oh, got to call him. Well, how about right now and, and do this right now? Can I make can I make something happen right now? And a lot of times, you know, it's another phone call and 10 more phone calls, but it's a start. You always step forward into the problem with an action. And I love that. And, and today on stage, you know, I don't remember how we called it out or anything, but you said something about did you say something about my podcast? And then I said, 
Would you yeah. like to do it? You're I said, like, yeah, I yeah. said, if y'all want to hear more about the story said, behind yeah. Warrior Horse, yeah. maybe Mark would be interested <laughs> in doing a podcast sometime. Hey, man, here we are a couple hours later, and you said, how about right now? And I'm like, I got my stuff. Why wouldn't we? But I think that if people get around people that make stuff happen, you learn that's how they are. When you're around high performance, when you're ever around John Merrith, he has that little black book with him. And when you say something that matters, he makes a note and he always follows up on that black book. If he writes it down, you're getting an email. You're going to get the gift. You're going to get the, you're going to get the phone call. It's okay. <laughs> it's John Meredith. It's probably is John Meredith. Hey, John, I'm talking about you. But, uh, you know, John is an action oriented guy. Darren Bebo, if he says something, he does something. You're like that. I feel like I'm like that. Um, you know, the people who really get stuff done, man, they're moving. They're, they're not waiting on stuff to happen. When they have a good idea, they're getting it done. And, and you're you're inspiring in that way, man. Well, thank you. So you also had a couple other guys on there. I don't know that I knew their background. He, we sh- we watched a video for Kevin, and I'm it, is it up on? Can I put a link to it on the podcast? Yet? I'm going to put it on Facebook today. Okay, so I'm going to put your links in the in the notes on the podcast. I'll put Kevin's links to Warrior Horse. Please, please donate. Uh, this thing is done by donations. It's not. I mean, he it, it does happen, but if Kevin runs out of money, he can't help people. You know what I was surprised about was. Well, actually, go back. So you had several other people that you'd helped, other Army veterans and other things. What's like the common, and some people were firefighters, other people were like, I think maybe they said police officers. Like, Mm -hmm. is there a certain type of, if somebody out there listening knows somebody that needs help, does it have to be military or where's the line? You know me. There's there's, There's no line. there's, There's no real line. Yeah. Um, the program was originally designed for veterans. Right. And the same little voice that told me it needed to be a program eventually told me that we need to expand it to first responders okay. as well. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to share some, something with you now that's going to be real touchy for me because you brought it up. So shame <laughs> my, on you. My fault. <laughs> so shame on you. Um, but that's who it was designed for. But it was designed in such a fashion to where it is all by donations. Donations run out. New Buck Chimney Services jumps in mm. and helps fund it. New Buck Chimney Services, if you don't know, is Kevin's personal personal business. So my business has been created as a backup plan because I didn't know I was going to have an industry behind me to take care of it. But New Buck Chimney We'll, we'll foot the bill because nobody gets paid that helps. It's all volunteer. Right. There's no salaries that come out. Everything goes for horse feed, plane tickets, yeah. you know, yeah. lease on the property and all. It yeah. was all built on the property to where we didn't have to move horses back and forth on certain weekends oh. that other people may or may not be using an arena for us to use. Right. And nobody dictates the program and what needs to be done, how it needs to be done, because it, we all know whose program it is. Yeah. So I have the unique ability to listen to that little voice when my phone rings. So one day I'm out on the porch minding my own business and the phone rings 
And I could immediately, when I answered it, I knew that there was stress because there was a young lady on the phone and she said, Mr. Russell. I said, yes, ma'am. I just saw your program online. I realized that you don't do what I'm looking for, but I need you to tell me somebody that might. Is there anyone you can direct me to? I'm like, well, what's your situation? I said, I'm, I'm set up to help firefighters and first responders, just like it says on the website. I said, but what's going on? She said, well, I've got a uh, 14-year-old son, and he's just had two of his best friends that have passed away in the last six months. And he slipped inside himself. He won't communicate with me or my husband. He won't see a counselor. He doesn't talk. He's barely making it at school. I said, well, does he like horses? She said, yes. She said, that's why I was looking for a horse-related program, because he, he wants to start working with our horse. And I said, well, let me, let me think for a minute. Let me see if I can figure something out. So I got off the phone, and I started thinking. I'm like, you dits. I'm like, why wouldn't you? Right. I'm like, why wouldn't you? She called because she was supposed to. That wasn't <laughs> an out of the blue, weird kind of thing. So I called her back and said, why don't you bring him out here? Just tell him that you found a place with horses that might be able to teach him a little something about horses. I said, I'll ask him questions. I'll find out if I think this program can be tweaked a little bit to fit his needs. So they came out, he answered, I tweaked, they came out for the weekend, mom left crying, and everything's been extremely well since. Wow. Another one, and this one's, this one's one that really tugs, and I'll make it quick. <laughs> I know yeah, we're on a timeline. You got all the time you need. So... One of my veterans that had been through the program, that's a personal friend, had texted me one day. He's a musician. And he asked me if I heard about one of his musician friends. I'm like, no, why? What happened? What's going on? He said she took her life last night. She killed herself. When I could finally speak again, I said, well, Brandon, did you not see any signs? Did anybody see any signs? He said, absolutely not. Wow. He said, I've, I know the signs. I've, I've been there. I'm like, dude, that kills me. I mean, we're here, you know, it's, it's for veterans and first responders, but if you know of anybody from here on out right. that could use the program, said, let me know. Wow. About five minutes later, my phone dings. I look. No, it rings really loudly. <laughs> it rings. <laughs> no, this, this day it was dinging oh. <laughs> because it was a text. He texted me back. He said, my daughter. I'm like, your daughter? What, what do you mean, your daughter? She just wrote a suicide note. 
Wow. I'm like, nope. I said, this is what we're going to do. I said, I want you to approach her and let her know that you came through this program and find out if she'd be willing to come out here with you or without you and just spend a day with me. Come see the horses and visit, whatever. He said, okay. So they ended up coming out and we we went through the program. He's the only one that's been through twice. But did he go through it with her? He went through it with her. Wow. Because each each time one individual goes in there with a different horse, it's a different experience anyway. Mm-hmm. I can do it with all my horses mm-hmm. day in and day out and get the same experience because I have a different mindset when I go in there. So she came through the program. I've been following her on Facebook and visiting with Brandon as well. And the pictures and the love, the two kids of hers. Wow. Oh, gosh. Had kids. Her husband. Oh, my goodness. I was torn. But see, it's not my program. It's not my arena. It's not my cabin. I'm just afforded these things to be able to do what I was built to do, which is to help and love people unconditionally and non-judgmentally to make the difference. Man, that's amazing. So how many people roughly have come through the program? Probably a little over 40. Wow. And the program, how long does it last? It's a three-day program. In three days, you do all that? Yes. In three days, you break through. Sorry, had a little break. Had room service <laughs> trying to come in. So uh, sorry for the break and the knock on the door, but we're going to keep rolling. So in three days, you what do you think it is that, that really gets through that quick when they've been suffering for months or even years? And in three days you can change that that mindset and that trajectory. Because for the first time probably in their entire life, they're in a location that nobody has any say-so over. So they realize that, of course, me and the horses are non-judgmental. I mean, how many non-judgmental human beings do you know? Right. So that kind of opens them up. And the fact that before they ever get there, their their responsibility in order to get there is to agree to one thing, and that's to be 100% vulnerable to me, the staff, and the horses. Because if they're not going to be vulnerable 100%, they're not going to be helped like they can be helped. Yeah. So Do you ever have anybody says, nope? Or they know that coming in. They know that coming in. Yeah, they wouldn't have made it all the way down there. You would have been pretty They clear know about that it. before they ever get on a plane and a car on a bus. Yeah. We're going to get real. Yes. Because, of course, they hadn't seen my fat and blue eyes yet. <laughs> of but, course. <laughs> but when I, when I speak with them on the phone, I ask them questions. I vet them out, so to speak, to find out exactly where in their journey they are. And 
if they're a good candidate for the program, which, of course, they all are. So let's talk about the horses for a second. Where do they come from? Now, I know at one point you had talked about horses can have PTSD too, but then I wasn't sure if you actually got some of those horses or these are just your horses or they, they're in a program too, or where do they come from? The horses now that we're using are all my horses. Okay. I'm finally down to 10 horses, <laughs> and about six of them are used periodically through the program. Right. And they'll stay in the program until they get – acclimated to the program to where they don't have the behavior they need to do their job anymore. And then I'll be bringing retired thoroughbreds in off the local track and pretty much be rehabilitating them because they're dealing with some of the same issues. Wow. You know, they've, they're retired, they're off the track. All I've been done with humans is run to death. And, you know, this has been my job, but what am I going to do now? What is, What's this pasture thing out here that we're standing in? Wow. How am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? What's my purpose? Mm-hmm. Well, the veterans come in. They're dealing with the same thing. We put them together, and they work it out together. That would be, that'd be exciting, huh? Oh, yes. So in closing, what's, what's the future? What, what would you like to see this program grow into or be? I mean, I know... It, you're happy with the way it is now, but it, you know, in your mind's eye, what what what's the future of it? Well, here's what I do know. I do know that it's been 100 percent effective, which That's is incredible, which is amazing. Yeah, but I knew it would be going into it because I personally got the bond yeah. so many years ago. Yeah. So that was a no-brainer. Well, let me ask you this. When you bonded with them, were you depressed or were you down or were you suffering from anything or you just felt that connection? I've thought about it a lot. And in order for that connection to have been made, there was something inside of me that I wasn't aware of or willing to admit to Mm -hmm. that it repaired. Gotcha. And that's why I know that it would work in many cases. But that little voice has already told me that this year it's going to be shown nationally. CBS this morning, CBS mornings, Good Morning America. And that's why I got Taylor and them to come start the new videos because they got to be quality enough to get a publicist. So right. if any of you out there have a publicist or know of a publicist that we can get this to the national level so that more people can be aware of it so that we can assist more people, then that would be probably the, the best donation of the year. I may know somebody. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? But That's as, cool. as far as the program itself goes, it's, one of the scariest parts of it is, you know, it's like a small business. If you're the one that's got to be running it, it's it's just a job. It's not a business. Right. So do you need more volunteers? I don't need more volunteers. Um, we need 
we need all the money that we can possibly muster Fair because enough. what I know is coming on a national level. Yeah, and it takes point. about $2,500 per veteran to get them into the class, and we have five per class yeah. once a month. What I would like to see is Kevin to be doing a class every week. Okay. Not that I want to see that many people that are being hurt. Of course. But, but that we can there. help that well, many people. especially the way you've expanded it. There's a lot of hurting people out there on multiple levels. And you, by by opening these little doors that weren't on the original plan, see what's behind it. Every business I've ever started changed once I started. And you're and it, it wasn't what I thought it was. I had a great idea, but it wasn't what I thought it was. And, and to me, you're seeing that. It is what you thought it was in the healing side. But you could probably help a lot more people than, you know, wasn't originally you can't think big enough to know what it can do i mean you can think big but you don't like you said it's not in your hands really it's not and once you get it out there on a national level and more and more people get it and it gets momentum everything can change so dude i'm i'm so happy for you and uh i'm happy for what you're doing you're godsend to this to these people and our industry and love your heart is there anything you need to tell the people before we before we cut off, is there? I'm going to put your links and the way to donate. Anything else? No. If you're going to take care of that, then we're good to go. And if you <laughs> if you know a publicist, I do. Then yeah. we can uh, we can pursue that avenue too. Yeah. All right, Kevin. Love you, man. Got to give Love you a hug. You too. Uh, on on air hug. Me and Bob Ferrari, I think we're the last ones to hug. We hugged in a hotel room. It sounds weird, <laughs> but uh, you know he he had a great story and um, and man, so there's some really great people out here with great hearts. So thank you. All right, guys, that's uh, that's my time. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Kevin Russell. I will put the links. The website is www.warriorhorse.net, and you can probably find a lot of information there. But we also have some really great videos, and uh, we'll, we'll get you contact information in the show notes. All right, guys, we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or any place that you listen to podcasts. More information is also available at markstoner.com.